Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Crossroads Conversation. And today, it's uh, myself. I'm Richard Kennedy. We have Robert Harmon, and we have special guest Tim Horton. What's up, guys? Hey. Hey, y'all. Good to be here. Yeah. So today, we're continuing our conversation on Philippians chapter 2. We're in verses 19 through 30. So last week, actually, I think it was two weeks ago, we had a week off last week with the the storm and the freezing cold, and it was just a weird week. Two, so two, epi- two weeks ago, our last episode, we talked about Jesus' example of humility. So remember, we talked in early in Philippians 2. It said, hey, don't do anything out of selfish ambition, selfishness, but in humility, uh, con- consider others more significant than yourselves, like Jesus, who the King of Kings came to serve. And so that's our example is, is Jesus, uh, the humble servant. And then um, we talked about, well, actually that was two episodes ago. And in last episode, we talked about the fact that um, we're supposed to do all things without grumbling and arguing. And in doing so, in the way that we love one another, we're lights in the world. So here we find ourselves focusing on, the Apostle Paul focuses on Timothy and Epaphroditus. So let's talk about who these folks were. Tim, I'm going to just throw it to you. Who who were Timothy and Epaphroditus? Well, Timothy, that's a cool name, by the way. It is a cool name. <laughs> and that's who I was named after. Timothy also means honoring God. Um, uh, Paul, he met... He met Timothy when he um, he went to he was going to Macedonia, and I believe that was the first establishment of a church in Europe when Paul went to Macedonia. I think this is Acts chapter sixteen, but uh, he met uh, you know a Jewish Christian family. They were um, it was a woman who had married a Greek, but she she was Jewish and she was a believer, and she had a son named Timotheos, Timothy, and um, Paul met them and befriended the family. Um, I th- he spoke well of Timothy's grandmother also, so it seems like Paul established a connection with that family. Hmm. I imagine he was in a foreign country, he said, oh, it's another Jewish family, and they're believers in Jesus, and he, you know, he made that connection with them, and Timothy became, um, you know, like a son to him, and it says in Acts, I think it's chapter 16, it says he wanted to take Timothy with him, and uh, Timothy being half Jewish, um, Paul made the decision to s- circumcise him. Um, to, so there wouldn't be any false accusation or confusion with the Jewish community. Um, he's saying, yeah, Timothy, he's in Jewish. In case they he's... saw him with his pants off. <laughs> I don't know. It was a... Uh, I've always wondered how... I how do they know? How would I, they have known? I have no idea. <laughs> I, maybe, was it an honor system? You're just honest about well, it? Well, maybe if somebody just seen it or something, they might go tell. It had you know to have been an I mean? honor system. Well, I guess they didn't have public toilets or whatever. Maybe the men had their own you know, bathroom where... Your mind could go in fifty it's million, weird, di- but it's, 50 million okay, different places. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, but it now Paul was very adamant. He said, You Gentiles do not get circumcised to be for salvation. If it's to be saved, if it, if it's for salvation, no, if you do that, you're you've fallen from grace. Don't do that. But for the sake of you know, Jewish heritage, he circumcised Timothy, you know. Again, not for salvation. But uh, he took Timothy with him, and Timothy was a huge blessing to Paul and uh in his epistle, he said Timothy was his son in the faith. And Timothy, to our knowledge, you know, based on what Paul said in the book of Corinthians, um, Paul was not married and did not have biological children, but people that got put in Paul's like, life, like Timothy, they were his family. Wow. So Timothy, half, half Jewish, 
became Paul's son in the faith, yeah. um, apparently became an exemplary um, well, person of person of example for us here. What about and 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 Timothy was a pastor. Yep. Of which uh, church? Ephesus, I believe. Ephesus, okay. Um, and who was Epaphroditus? Well, Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus was sent from Philippi, which I don't think is far from where Timothy grew up. But Epaphroditus, we don't really know much about him except that um, the Philippians sent him with a gift to Paul, and he was probably sent to help Paul and you know minister to his needs. Uh, Paul was in prison at the time; he was waiting for his trial in Rome. He was going to go stand before Emperor Nero. Mm-hmm. Um, he was Ooh. in how yeah a big deal and. And I mean, God was using him to testify to the you know the emperor mm. about the gospel of Jesus. Uh, he was under house arrest at the time. He he was blessed to be able to be in a house. I think while he was waiting. so right here, Paul was Paul was in a house prison, or he was house arrest. I was thinking he was in a prison prison. Uh, what I read, my understanding is that during this time period, it was a house arrest. Um, here I got my Bible app open. Let me turn the end of the book of Acts. I think it was a um, a house. Where they at least temporarily they allowed him to stay um, in someone's house to carry out his you know while he was waiting for trial. So, so my understanding while he's looking that up of Epaphroditus is that Epaphroditus, the church of at Philippi, sent Epaphroditus to care for Paul. Yep, to help him out, and then um, he got sick. As we'll find out while he's ministering to Paul, and Paul sent the message of Philippians to Philippi through Epaphroditus. Yep, yep, yeah. And he wrote it while Epaphroditus was there. But yeah, it's Acts uh, chapter twenty-eight, verse sixteen, where it says Paul was allowed to be under house arrest mm. while he was waiting for trial. So that was. So, a, but that means you couldn't leave your house, right? I believe so. I be, that's how I understand it. <laughs> All right. So, Tim, well, how are you gonna know if I didn't leave your house? I mean. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, I've I've never been on house arrest, so well, I, I, mean, I think uh, they give you some sort of. I think nowadays they give you yeah, some they sort give of thing you on your ankle, it ankle or whatever. You know, you can't. How would they know back then? I've yeah. um, that that verse in Acts sixteen twenty, and I'm sorry, Acts twenty eight sixteen. It mentions a guard was a soldier was guarding right. Paul. Like, yeah, I, I, they was he would have been assigned. I believe he, yeah, sort. I believe he was assigned. Was to it guards. like they was trapped in some kind of like? Like uh, you know, like most people back in the day, they had like a <clears throat> barriers, you know, like a barrier wall, and they was all they all lived in the inside, in case the enemies come to attack, like a castle. You know, everybody lives on the inside. So it was it, yeah, I don't know. Was it his house, or was it no, a house? It it was a house. I don't. It was a house that they gave him. <clears throat> I don't know if the Roman authorities gave it to him, or maybe um, one of the Christians of Rome volunteered it. I I'm not sure. Paul was from. Mm-hmm. Tarsus and Jerusalem. He lived in both places. Um, he, yeah. Uh, yeah, he did not have a place in Rome. So he was and so okay. So he's else's. in Rome. Yeah. Well, okay. So Paul's in some some sort of imprisonment, and we've been talking about that in the series. Not the best of situations yet. This the theme. One of the great themes of Philippians is rejoicing and joy. Um, so let's talk about Timothy. And Epaphroditus, this section is talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus. It says here, Paul's writing, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. He's, talk, he's writing to the Philippian church, the church at Philippi. 
so that I too, too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like Timothy who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not the interests of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I know therefore, I hope therefore to send him to just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that I shortly myself will come also. All right, so Paul's saying he doesn't know whether or not he'll get to make it back to the church at Philippi, but he definitely wants to send Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for you and genuinely concerned for the will of Jesus. And um, I think the thing that we can certainly learn from Timothy's character is that this idea of being genuinely concerned, not only for his brothers and sisters' welfare at the church, but he's genuinely concerned for the will of Jesus, the interest of Jesus Christ. And I think I've just been really... I think that is very encouraging to me. Let's talk about first the interest of Jesus. So Timothy was interested in what Jesus was interested in. How how do we learn how to be interested in what Jesus is interested in? Hmm. That's, that's huge because in America, you know, the American dream in our American culture, um, everything is centered around your desires, your your dreams, your goals, and your quote-unquote vision, and selfishness is really at the heart of where America, you know, American culture is at right now, and the same is true for many other countries too, but it, it's a big problem, and like Paul was lamenting these people, he, he said that their hearts are not, you know, on the things of God, their interests, you know, are not on the kingdom of God, that's, you know, where a lot of Christians are, and I think, you know, in my mind, I think it's getting to a place of faith and love in God where we realize there is nothing better than knowing Christ and serving Him. And there's nothing better than the kingdom of God. And we're believing these lies from the devil that all this other stuff we pursue and spend our emotion and energy and money in, um, that these things are worthy causes, whereas there's something so much better God has already given us. Wow. Yeah, that's a great perspective, man. Yeah. Yep. I think it was the next chapter, chapter 3, when um, Paul starts talking about his success as a, a Pharisee. When he was on the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin council in Jerusalem, and he was a high-ranking leader. Uh, he was on, you know, really a path to power, and he had a, by worldly standards, he had a bright future ahead of him. Um, in verse 7, he said, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And I think another translation says, I count it all as rubbish, mm. refuse, yeah. compared to the greatness of knowing Christ. Uh, I mean, Paul is he's talking about the, that measurement of success. He's calling it rubbish, refuse, compared to knowing Christ. So, yeah, I think we, we're not, you know, generally, we're not understanding the fact that there's nothing better 
the knowing Jesus Christ and inheriting God's kingdom. I mean, this is it. This is good. This is very, very good. And if we understood that, if we really believed and understood that, we would not be so distracted. Yeah, it's a question of, of motivation. Like, yeah, why do we do the things that we do? What motivates our activity and all the things that we do in all of our pursuits? And for Timothy, it was his motivation was he wanted to please his Lord Jesus. Yeah. And that, dude, that is so convicting to me. And it's encouraging to, you know, when I get my day started and I have a time where I pray, number one, to pray and to say, Lord, help me get on board with you. Like, help me do the things you want to do. Like, help me to actually serve you and not just do the things I want to do. What do you think, Robert? How do you how do you find out what Jesus wants and then do it? Well, I guess you could look at it in different scenarios and different ways. You know, people look at, you know, some people don't even know Jesus and don't even worry about it. And then some people, you know, like me, I just get up in the morning, I kind of pray like you and get God to lead me and guide me and get me going in the right direction. But this culture now is just like a me culture. It's all about me now. Me, me, me. It's all about idols. Yeah. New Year's and resolutions. How can I make myself yeah, better? Yeah, it's not about, hey, what can we do to be a better Christian? What can we do to be a better servant of God? You know, it's just this world has done what nuts. I like what you said. It's called me. It's a me culture. Yeah, that's what it is. What can you do for me? It's not about what can I do for you. What can you do for me? Mm. If I come help you, what can you do for me? So, what do you think the interest of Jesus is? What I mean, what does Jesus want? He was always concerned about the will of his Father. <clears throat> he mm. was more concerned about his people, and what I mean like that is like a father. You know, mm. he's going to let his kids eat first, and then he always eats last because he's thinking about other people. And I, I know you mentioned uh, was it two weeks ago you were talking about the the early part of Philippians chapter 2 where it said that Jesus, even though he in his very nature he was God, he was equal with the Father, he did not hold on to his equality with God. He emptied himself and took on the form of a servant and was obedient unto death. So, wow, that's the very opposite of selfishness. I mean, Christ, his mind, his nature, and it says, take this mind on you, that, you know, it's, the mind that Christ it's, has. It's kind of like this. You got a lot of people, a lot of billionaires, a lot of millionaires that's got money. They live fancy houses, fancy cars, eating at the fancy restaurants, you know, the best of the best. But you got some, some people that's uh, got just as much money and they live simple. They might be living in a RV, or they might be living in a two-bedroom house and satisfied with it, or you know, a smaller area. You know, so I mean, it's it's not about things. It's just, and they're not about things, and that's the kind of people you know their hearts. Mm. I love what you said, Tim. Jesus was concerned about the will of the Father. I mean. Somewhere he mentioned that Jesus said, 
I only do the things the Father yeah, I remember. has commanded me to do. Or I'm going to do the things the Father... He, he was all about the Father's will. I mean, he was the perfect example of selfless service. He was a servant of the Father. And, and in all of the letters... You know, Jesus Paul was and a servant. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. what I meant. And I mean, and uh, all the letters, like whether it's James, uh, Paul, all these people in the New Testament, they sign off at the very beginning. They're like, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus. I mean, at the very beginning of this letter, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. Like that's literally how they opened up this book. And can we say we're servants of Jesus Christ? Like, and. If I'm a servant of Jesus, that means I do the things He wants to do. He doesn't do the things I want Him to do. It's like I do the things, I find out whatever He wants and I serve Him. And I think it's up to us to find out what He wants. Right? Yep. And I don't think that's a mystery. I don't think it has to be a mystery. I think practically... If we want to seek the will of Jesus, how do we find it? Well, I think about the Word of God. So if I look a couple of verses up in verse 14, he's writing to the church. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Well, a good way I can please Jesus is by seeking peace and not seeking to argue and fuss with other believers and put other people down. And I need to seek agreement and seek uh, unity. So that's one way I can. I mean, I that's what I like to find. I like to f- read the Bible, see what it says, and then try to obey it. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I man. That is where you will find the will of God in the Word. Yep. Uh, you're you're asking how do we get to a point where we desire the kingdom of God instead of our own interests? I mean, I'm mm-hmm. yeah, I'm trying to figure this out too, but I'm thinking about. Why do we desire anything? What you know, if you oh, evaluate your if you evaluate yourself and how your mind works, you you, you, have, you wonder why do I want this so much? I think, I think it's just temptation. It's like a kid at Christmas, you know, or like when you say, "Hey, I really want this. I really want this bicycle. I really want this toy," and you play with it for about a week or two, and you burn out with it, and it just sits in the corner <laughs> and collects dust. It's just a want and a lust. That's a good. That's a good point. That's. It's That's just a want, really. or, a want or lust. It's like, I got to have it once you got it. <laughs> like, I literally need to clean out my closet because I have so many clothes that I literally never wear. <laughs> Some of them kind of don't fit anymore, but a lot of it's just Well, I'm the same way. I got a bunch of clothes in the but, closet. My wife but it's like, I, at one point, I wanted that shirt, and then I wore it like three times, and then... I'm like, yeah, I don't like it anymore. I don't like yeah, it. Anymore. It's like a lot of, you know, a lot of kids when I was coming up, they said, man, I can't wait till I got 21. I'm going to be able to go to the bars and buy drinks. And when you turn 21, you go to the bar and it's like, well, the fun's gone. You just let the air out of the balloon. It like goes, the new toy that's not exciting right, anymore. It's the, you know, it's, One time, it's the yeah. thrill of the chase. You know what I mean? Man, oh, Caitlin gets so. She 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 jokes at me all the time. She's like, "You can't buy any more books because I'm notorious for buying a book." I'll be like, "Oh, that book looks awesome on Amazon. I'll buy it, and then I just won't read it." I have like a lot of books that I haven't read that I want to read. She's like, "You can't buy any more books until you've read all the books you already have." 
So yeah, Tim, you <laughs> you you mentioned why do we desire anything at all? Yeah, I think keep going on that train of thought. I was I was thinking about John chapter four verse thirty one. It says Jesus' disciples said, "Rabbi, eat something," but he said to them, "I have food to eat that you know nothing about." Then his disciples said to each other, "Because someone have brought him food," <laughs> and Jesus said, "My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work." So here Jesus associated. Um, doing God's will with food. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a, for me, that's a strong desire. Too much. I, sh- I want food more than I should. But, um, you know, I'm, dealing, I'm in this situation where I need to, for my own health, I need to lose some weight. And I need to change the way my brain thinks. And, you know, if you're talking about food addiction, I have to change what I want and tell myself, I am satisfied. I don't need more. Well, same with desiring anything else. You have to change the way you think. So, like, Jesus is comparing doing God's will to food. Like, this is something you want to do. I'm hungry. I want this. We have to train our brains to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to desire the wrong things. Mm-hmm. So, like, with so many temptations, you know, the core of it really is just selfishness just, and I lust I guess the main that. thing is you got to change your philosophy and the way you think on things if you got to... Change the way you think. Addiction or something, you know what I mean? Looks like uh, Richard over here has got a book addiction. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's possible. Uh, You could. You just like the cover of it. You just like the look of it. You just like the name of it. It sounds interesting. Let me add that to my collection. It, with, yeah, with, it's the follow-through that's the hard part. Yeah, <laughs> the follow-through. And when you're talking about addictions, same thing, those neural pathways in your brain, you, you've you got to change it. And, I mean, it, there is a work of the Holy Spirit that can change that. And as you read the scriptures and you grow in a relationship with God, I mean, you you can change the way your brain thinks. Um, you got to practice it, but... That's hard, though. You've been done doing something all Where is it that, that Paul... I think it's the Apostle Paul wrote, Oh, I think it's in Timothy. But he said, um, essentially, physical training is of some value, but yep. train yourself for godliness. Has a lot of value. Yeah, it has has, has value eternal this, value. Yeah, this yeah. life and the and world in the to next. Come. So, I want to point out the fact that it's the word training, and the point that you there's a work involved in it. It doesn't just. Yep. Poof, like, oh, you're filled with the Spirit. Well, the Spirit does help you, but we work, and God works alongside of us, with us. Like, to train yourself for godliness takes hard work. Yes. And if you re- start reading the Bible and you say, oh, this is kind of boring, it's not, you know, tickling my fantasy fancies or whatever, go back, read it again, then read it again, praying about it, and mm. develop that desire. If, I know... If, if someone is malnutrition and they've gone through a, a series, a time period where they were starving to death, um, if, and if you fasted a few days, you you may know this already. Um, you you lose the desire to eat. Your body stops sending those hormones to your to you to your brain, telling you you're hungry. So you you kind of forget that you're hungry, and the which can be a dangerous thing if, you, if you're not careful. Um, the same thing can happen spiritually if you don't desire the kingdom of God. In the Word of God, it might be because you've deprived yourself of in your malnutrition that it means you need to get into it and develop the hunger and thirst for it. 
Dude, that's very good. That's very convicting. Um, convicting in, not in a way of like judgment. And I yeah, mean I that mean. in the sense of, like I receive that in my heart and it's, the, I receive the challenge of it in my heart because it makes me realize that I'm not there. And, and Jesus, he was saying he desires the will of God more than, more than bread. Yeah. Have you ever heard the saying, happiness begins where ambition ends? I have and not heard that. I, I have not. I heard, heard that a couple of years ago. There's this thing called destination addiction where you say, I'll be happy when I get that next oh, thing, next yeah. promotion, or I graduate with the next degree, college degree or whatever, or I get to this next step of life, or when I get married, or when I have children, when I get to that next step, that's when I'll be happy. And what happens is you get the next step. It's not enough. You say, "Well, I need the next step. Now I need a master degree." Or, That's right. Or, or uh, more, 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 more. It, destination addiction, and um, there's this pursuit of dopamine where <laughs> we just keep going and trying to quote unquote fulfill our dreams, and that's disappointing. I mean, but if you've noticed, if, if you've gotten to a point where you're delighting in the Lord and you're just being consumed in prayer and Bible reading and a passion for God's kingdom and loving God and loving people, it there's a feeling of rest there. Like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. This is great. And there's right. a fulfillment and peace there, uh, uh, satisfaction. Whereas, you know, pursuing selfish ambitions, you're, you're going to be hungry. You're, you're not going to be... You're not going to have that feeling of rest, like that feeling that's so good where you, you realize, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Uh, uh, that I love, I haven't felt it as much as I should because I, I admit these self, you know, all these selfish ambitions. I, I'm, I'm there too sometimes, and there's, but that feeling when you are focusing on God's kingdom and you're doing what you're supposed to, I mean, man, there's such a rest in that. It really is, man. That's, that's really good. That's really good. What an example. So Timothy, could it could be said about Timothy that he sought the interest of Jesus, and he sought the interest of others. So what about seeking the interest of others? So that there's a two-part. He says he's in verse 20, Timothy is genuinely concerned for your welfare and for the interest of Jesus. So Paul wanted to send Timothy to the church to find out how they're doing and to encourage them spiritually. I don't know if he... I don't know what Timothy could provide for the Philippian church, but the principle is that he was he was genuinely concerned to be able to help them or bless them or encourage them or however he could help. And I think that principle is definitely true for us in the body of Christ. Are we genuinely concerned for the other person and their their welfare? And that gets, again, it's, it's back to, are we willing to risk whatever it, and lose whatever it takes to care for the other man? Oh, that's what Epaphroditus did. He, Paul said he almost died trying to take care that's of right. me. <laughs> well, it, it's very countercultural to teach that you should put others above yourself. Uh, the world's philosophy on that is that you've got to take care of number one, referencing yourself. Um, sometimes, you know... People will walk over others to climb to the top. Take they take advantage of people. Um, you know, there's a saying: we're supposed to love people and use money. Instead, we we love money and use people. 
<laughs> and it shouldn't be that way. So if you have the character and mind of God, you're not going to take advantage of people. You're going to love people and put them first, even above your own well-being. And that's hard. That is hard. And it, it might involve losing something or sacrifice of some sort. Um, I mean, but we have to decide. I mean, think about the, the life of Jesus. It must have been difficult. Yeah. Like physically difficult. The life of Paul, it must have been difficult. Um, are we seeking worldly pleasures and comforts? I think we got it made now. Back then, it was rough. I mean, it was really rough. Do you think in our culture it's easy to just seek your own desire and not really be concerned about your it your is. brother? It is. It's all, because it's we have all, too, it's so all many, about so a meat movement. A meat movement. What can you do for me? Yeah. You know, like I said, if you know, there's still good people out there. Don't think there ain't still good people out there, but it's more of a if I come help you, what you gonna do for me? Yeah. Right. You know. When some people say, Well, I don't want nothing and they're kinda of flabbergasted <clears throat> about it. Especially like if you go to the big cities, because it's really a big me movement and you go over and say you wanted to help somebody do something and they tried to just say pay you some money or or give you some I know you just keep that for you and they're kinda of like shocked because they're not used to that. It's all about what can you do for me and what can you give me. Right. In the smaller cities, it's not that bad, but in the big cities. Hmm. I was looking at James chapter 4, verse 1, and I'm thinking, if if we really embrace that, to love other people, you know, even above our own self, and not take advantage of anyone, put others first. Um, we would not have bitterness and, and fighting and quarrels in the church. Look at you know, look at our government. They do it every day. You know, that's a prime a prime example. Look at our government. <laughs> they don't do nothing for the people. It's all about them. It's all about greed and and, and lust up there. You know, I mean, yeah. there's still people up there fighting a the good fight. There might be a handful of them, but it's hard to fight the good fight with a handful. Yeah. Well, we know one government that'll be perfect. Amen. When Jesus comes back and sets up his government on the world. Yeah. I mean, you just mentioned James 4. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war with, without you? Do you desire and don't have, so you murder, you covenant and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel? Yeah. And he says, um, you don't have because you don't ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask wrongly and spend it on your own passions. The point is, you're letting your passions drive your actions. Like your selfish motivation drive your actions rather than the will of Jesus Christ. And that's the same thing he talks about here in Philippians 2, earlier in the passage in 14. Do all things without grumbling or arguing. This life of trying to seek the will of Jesus... It calls for obedience. Earlier in chapter 2, he's, he tells them to obey. Therefore, obey. And so Jesus obeyed the Father, and we're supposed to obey the Father. We're supposed to obey Jesus. And it, it calls for, to, like, we literally have to put ourselves down right, 
and all the whatever desires we may want, we have to put them away, which is that's the hardest part. Yes, it is. <laughs> and it takes some serious like soul searching and meditating on it. And when it comes time to do something that you know Jesus wants you to do, it's going to be hard and it calls for obedience. But it's yes. through that obedience Jesus strengthens our faith and he empowers our work. An example of that I thought of that I think is a beautiful example. I have a, I have a friend who's a brother. He loves, loves God. He's, a, um, he's an inspiration to me. He told me a story about how he's, he was driving. He and his wife were driving. And um, all of a sudden, he feels a prompting that he thinks from God, from the Holy Spirit, saying, hey, I want you to pull into this liquor store here, and I want you to share the gospel with the clerk. Oh, Lord. And he's like, oh, gosh, okay. So he has a decision to make. He's like, I'm pretty sure this is from the Lord. Like, I'm pretty sure the Lord's saying to do this. So a decision to make. We all know most of the time what we would do is convince ourselves that the Lord didn't actually say to do that. No, or I've got stuff to do. Don't He stops. He pulls it. He says, he, says, uh, he tells his wife, hey, I, I, I got to do this. The Lord just told me I have to do this. Okay. And so he they walk in there, and he says, "Hey, man, I, I this is kind of weird, uh, kind of random, uh, but I just felt like Jesus told me to to come pray for you. So, is there anything that 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 I can pray for you about?" Immediately, the person starts crying. Oh wow! Um, had been going through something really difficult. They have prayer together. And after prayer, my buddy says, hey, well, let me ask you, do you, do you feel like you know Jesus personally? And they said, no. Uh, and, and, he, and he led this, this person, this clerk, in, the, um, in, a, in the, a prayer to receive Christ for salvation. And they told me that story, and I'm going, that is so crazy. But that's the kind of stuff, that, but it shouldn't be crazy. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of stuff... Jesus wants to do. When you think about the the life of Jesus, the 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 crazy situations, Jesus is constantly following the will of the Father. And I think if we would get on board with Jesus, our lives would be so exciting. There's so much that he wants to do with us if we'll just be willing to obey. And I just love that story. I love it because it wasn't man, I should have listened to the Lord. He actually listened to the Lord and That's awesome. And you never know how the other person will respond, but um, I just it was it was a story of of simple obedience. He felt prompted by the Spirit to go share the gospel with this person, and the person was ready to receive. So I, I thought that was cool. Yeah, that is cool. Let's talk about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. That's that's how I say that word. I don't know. We can. There may be another interpretation of how to how to say that word. Paul calls him his brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. And I think that's awesome. This guy was um, you know, upstanding character. He was an example for us to follow. Essentially, we mentioned this earlier, but essentially what happened to Epaphroditus is the church at Philippi sent him to minister to Paul and to help him out. Epaphroditus evidently got sick. He evidently almost died from his sickness, trying to serve Paul. And um, Paul just lifts him up as, a, as an example for us that 
he cared about the will of the Lord so much that he even almost died serving the Lord and serving Paul. He calls him his brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. I like the analogy of a worker and a soldier. Paul uses it elsewhere to explain how we should think of ourselves in the kingdom of God. He uses somewhere and says, like, soldiers, they, they're focused on their mission. And they, they take their order. Focus, a good soldier, good. they're focused on their mission. They take their order, and they accomplish the mission. So that this was Epaphroditus. He had his mission from the Lord to go serve Paul, and he went and did it. And he almost died doing it. But he did his mission. And it falls along this idea of obeying the Lord Jesus, serving Him. If He's our Lord, He's our commander. And we're just supposed to say, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do today? That's good. Uh, focus, that's another important as- aspect, another important part of it. You know, in Matthew, um, Jesus was talking about how important it is for us to focus on the right things, to love God instead of loving money. He said, mm. where... I think he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is important to you determines the condition of your heart. I think that's Matthew chapter 6. So, yeah. Focus and focus. intentionality. Yeah, that's what I'm working on, that focus part of it. What are we thinking about? What's important to us? What are we, you know, driving towards? And again, your, I mean, your question earlier of what, where does our desires come from? I mean, what a soul-searching question for us Yeah, to look at our lives and say, hey, what am I motivated by? Like, what am I chasing? And then to take that to the Lord and say, and we'll, we'll just close with this thought, but just to take, the, take it to the Lord and say, Lord, teach me how to be focused on you and your kingdom and the things you want to do. Yep. And I think it's one one day at a time, one step at a time, but I think if we'll genuinely say that prayer to the Lord, we'll see tangible ways, whether it's saying, I forgive you to someone, or saying I'm sorry, whether it's choosing to be silent instead of arguing, yeah. or whether it's seeing you know, a fellow brother or sister in need and cooking a meal for them. Amen. Let's just look to serve... Let's look to bless and bless others, and uh, let's as we as we leave this conversation, let's just ask ourselves: Am I seeking the desires of Jesus? And and I, I I know that if we will take that genuine concern to Jesus and say, Lord, teach me to know Your will and do it, then we will. And we have to be willing to let go, though. That I mean, I think that's the thing: you got to be willing to let go. Of the worldly yes. things that you love. Yep. That's the Absolutely. hard part. And I'm thinking about when Jesus told told his disciples that it's harder for a wealthy man to inherit the kingdom of God than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Yep. Because he knows that if if you have stuff, that it's it's hard for you to let go of it. But like like you mentioned earlier, Tim, um, we have to be willing to let go of, of anything in the world. For the sake of Christ. Yep. Sacrifice. That's right, man. Sacrifice. Well, guys, great conversation. Thanks for thanks for the conversation. I'm encouraged and and uh, folks, we just hope and pray that that this conversation will serve to encourage you 
in your faith journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.